Good day to everyone and welcome to the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our ministry, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. As you may recall, we've reached back about 20 years into our archives and are sharing with you a series of messages on the disciples of Jesus Christ. We hope that they're a blessing to you and you'll be encouraged by what you learn today. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 19 through 42, gives us the circumstances surrounding the conversion of Andrew, who would become one of the twelve disciples. John the Baptist is in the story. He is on successive days proclaiming that Jesus is the Lamb of God or the Son of God. On one of those days, Andrew hears the message and sees Jesus and makes his way to Christ. Jesus saw Andrew and another individual with him following him and turned to ask them this question. What would you have me do for you? Their answer was basically, Let us go with you and discover who you are. Jesus' response was this, Come and see. Today we consider this occasion and draw out from it lessons on how the good news reaches people's lives. I like the way that he speaks to these men. Jesus asked a question that allows for faith and hope to rise up within the person answering him. You see, once you give the request to Jesus, once you ask him what's on your mind, the, the very asking stimulates in your heart a sense of anticipation that he might have the answer, that he might be able to help you. And Jesus asked direct questions that help to stimulate the rise of faith within us. And maybe we could add this as another point, and it's this. The progress of the gospel usually comes with a question that we answer. The question is put to us, and we answer it, and answering the question, some hope begins to rise in our heart. How would we put this direct question that Jesus puts to Andrew and John, what are you seeking after, to someone in our day and age? I think we'd go to them and say something like this. If you were to come to Jesus and you could speak to him, what would you want him to do for you more than anything else? If you had the opportunity to speak to the God who was the creator of all the universe and you could put before him the great desire, the great need in your life, what would you ask him? And I want you to know something. The question they ask would delineate between the person who's truly seeking and the person who's throwing up smoke screens. You see, if the person came before him and his first question was some kind of intellectual question or philosophical question about salvation and how it works or why other people don't believe or the problem of evil, you're finding a person who's not being sincere and honest with a real sense of need in his own life. You see, when a person really comes before God, when he comes before Jesus, and he's able to ask the one question that's the most important question in his life, the kinds of questions that he will ask will be questions like, are you really the way, the truth, and the life? Can you really take away my sins and my guilt? Can you really wash me and make everything new? Do you have the power to answer, respond to the greatest needs and longings of my heart? Are you who people say you are? And when Jesus encounters a person who answers the question he puts to them honestly, Jesus' response is always the same. He says, come and see. You see, Jesus doesn't despise the person who is inquiring into truth and inquiring into life, the person who's seeking for him. What did Jesus say? That if you seek me, you will be 
found by me if you seek me with your whole heart. And Jesus responds to the searching, seeking question. He responds to the open and honest inquirer, the person who can ask the question that's the deepest part of his heart, can express the great need of his life. We need to take note here, though, that if the person came to him and said, I really want you to explain to me this issue of the Trinity. I don't understand it. You know, I'm really wondering why it is that the guys in deepest, darkest Africa, I mean, what happens to them if they don't hear the gospel and the good news? Well, really, my question is this, you know, why is it there's sin in the world in the first place? Could you help me understand this whole idea of evolution and uh, creation? I don't get this. It seems to me that, you know, the scientists are right, because how do you explain the age of the earth and all, you know? Listen, if you come to Jesus and men come to Jesus throwing up those kinds of intellectual smoke screens when they come before a God who may answer the deep answers of their life, Jesus will not say to them, come and see. Jesus will speak to them in parables. Why did Jesus speak in parables? He said, so that men could hear and never understand and see and never perceive. He spoke to men who were not sincere and not honest in their inquiry. He put them off with a parable instead of giving them the answer that really they needed because they weren't asking and seeking and asking honest questions. But here's the great thing. What God sees in Andrew and John is an honest heart. He sees in what they say a, a statement of honesty. You know, what they said was, uh, they asked a question themselves. What they said is, well, Lord, wh where are you staying? What Jesus heard in that question that they asked was an implied answer, which was this. Lord, we want to go where you are going. We want to stay where you're staying. We want to discover if you're the one we've hoped for. We've heard what John has said. We want to be near you. We want to learn from you and find in you and discover if you're the promised Savior. And Jesus answers just like he answers to the honest inquirer. He says, come and see. You know, in our desire to take the gospel to people and share Christ with them, one of the things we have to be looking for is the honest inquirer, a person asking honest, deep, and real questions of God. And when they ask those questions, our response needs to be like Jesus was, come and see. Andrew and John go to be with Jesus. I would have loved to have been there. You know, it says that they spent the day with him. Really, what it means is this, because it says it was the 10th hour, that would be about 4 o'clock in the afternoon our time. Jesus probably took them back to the, the cave that he was staying in on this wilderness region around the area of the Jordan River, the place where he'd made a little domicile for himself, and there that he stayed while he was in that area. And they went back to him to that region, and by the time they got there, it was too late for them to go back to where they were staying. And so it says they stayed with him for the day. In the Jewish tradition, the day begins at sundown. So it means that they basically had 24 hours with him. And they probably spent all that night talking to him and, and learning from him. And maybe they built a fire and they cooked something to eat. And as they broke bread together and ate, which is likely what they did, they asked all kinds of questions. They began to explore the Old Testament with him and ask questions that revealed the things they were anticipating. And Jesus began to instruct them and teach them. And, and Jesus' heart was full as well because he's just spent 40 days wandering in the wilderness under all the temptation went through preparing himself for the great public ministry that he had and the public teaching of Christ is now being unfolded between he and these two other individuals what a great night what a wonderful night I was remembering as I was thinking of that occasion a couple different times this has actually happened to me about four different times and I was going through each one of the occasions the first one came to mind was a time when I was about 21 years old and I had my cousin come out and visit me he spent about two weeks of the summer with us and on about three different nights in a row, 
my cousin and I stayed up until probably around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And we walked all through the pathway that goes along the Boise River. He was asking me all kinds of questions about spiritual things, all kinds of questions about what the gospel meant and what it meant for his life and what he needed to do. I remember at one occasion that he said, you realize if I receive Christ in my life, if I say what you're saying is true, that I have to admit that everything that I've done in my life up to this point in time is wrong. And the time came later that summer when my cousin opened his heart and invited Christ as a Savior and Lord. But I remember the specialness of that night. I think he would too. Those long walks that we took together, talking in a wonderful and natural way the deep things of God. Maybe in the darkness, it allowed him to be a little bit more honest about what was inside his heart because he wasn't distracted. And we were walking side by side. And, and maybe that's how it was for them as well. Laying in some dark cave in the dark and pouring out before Jesus their interests and their concerns and their questions. And he responded to them and he answered them and he, he showed them all that they were inquiring of. And folks, this is how men come to Jesus. They begin to open up their heart before him and they ask these honest questions. And folks, he'll spend as much time with you as you need. And he'll speak to men and he'll talk to them and he'll reveal himself to them. He says, come and see. And so John and Andrew turned their lives over and from that point on they began to follow Jesus. And let's remember now how this all began. And this was our first point. It began when one man pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The gospel is so simple. The gospel is so easy and clear. It comes with just a finger point. It comes from people who say, Look to Him. Look to Jesus. He'll answer any question. Take your questions to Him. Take your concerns. Go study His life. Open up your Bible. Read the Gospels. Inquire of Him. He'll answer all of your questions. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Not behold a program. Not behold the church. Not behold the preacher. Not behold my ability to tell you how all your felt needs can be met. Not behold my ability to understand the sociological issues of the day and your psychological needs and problems. Not behold all that. Just behold the Lamb. Just look to Him. Just go to Him. Go to Him in simplicity and clarity and see Him and He'll answer all your problems. Not behold me because I have the answer to all your questions. I can deal with all the apologetics. I can explain to you the cosmological argument for the uncaused cause. I can explain to you all the different issues you're dealing with. I can lay down the argument for why you ought to believe in God and you ought to believe that He's saved. None of those things here yet. Just behold the Lamb. Look to Him. I had a man in my church, and we would meet once a week at 6.30 in the morning. I was barely awake during that time, but these guys were older than me, and they, uh, maybe their bones are more brittle. They don't sleep as well. They woke up early in the morning, and they all wanted to gather to pray. And every time we'd gather, Lionel would go through a name of about 12 to 20 people by name that he was praying for for salvation. And this went on for a long time, and I actually inquired someone who knew him before I had actually arrived in the town to be their pastor, that this is something Lionel had been praying about for about two years. Well, Lionel went with me on a trip to Quito, Ecuador. And there we began to go into the homes of people and we began to share the gospel with different individuals, who Christ was and what he could do for them. And we just began to talk to them about Jesus. And during that time, there were a number of people who came to Christ and Lionel had the opportunity to lead a number of them to the Lord. He came back and by the end of two months, he had led four of these individuals to Christ and had a new believer Bible study going with him. Not only that, he had started a morning Bible study once a week in his office building and he had about 30 or 40 people who were attending it every morning and so we put Lionel in charge of training people in our church on how to disciple a new believer and I went to hear Lionel give his lesson 
Lionel began with this statement. He said, you know, I spent years praying for my friends to come to Christ, and every time I talked to them, I tried to argue with them, I tried to explain to them, I tried to be really sophisticated about how I introduced the gospel to them, I tried to be sensitive to what they might think or what they might believe or what they might not believe so that I wouldn't offend them. And he said, you know, I came back from the trip I was on, and what I learned when I was in Ecuador was the power found in simply introducing people to Jesus Christ and talking to them about Jesus. And I just spoke to them about Jesus Christ. And I told him who he was and what he had done. And I spoke about him in the present tense, what he had done in my life. And that touched their lives, and they believed. And I, I think that's the lesson we have here from John. And along with that, we have to remember this, and we have to note this, that John repeated this message over and over and over again. We cannot satisfy ourselves with having presented the gospel once and felt like, there, I've got it off my chest. I have evangelized. I have presented the good news to somebody. Whew, I feel better. We need to recognize that the gospel is something that must be repeated over and over and over again to people because its mystery and its power and its wonder is not something that men automatically perceive. It's not something that the human intellect can immediately get its hands around. It's something that men must be presented with to contemplate and think about. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.